Craft Beer Radio, episode 27, January 12, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. I'm Jeff Bear. And this week is the second of two weeks on Imperial Stouts. I am still recovering from last week. Well, I, I fortunately have recovered, and I'm ready for, to do it all over again. Yeah, it's going to be a good one this week. We are revisiting the Stone Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. The, in the summer, it was too powerful for us. You'll get to see a whole bunch of other great beers, too, we hope. Let's go to business. We had some people who donated us some money. Yes, thank you very much. Thank very you very much. much. We had uh, Andy, Rich, and Alan. They donated us more than a fair share of money, and thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It's going to really help us out a lot, too. We also had a uh, care package delivery oh, from, right. yes, from Jamie. Right now. He sent us uh, two bottles of the Hot Pocket Pills, and also he had an old bottle of the Sam Adams Triple Buck that he... Would rather us share with all the listeners than him probably dislike on his own. Wants us to be the guinea pig. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Craft Beer Radio multi-brew experiment. Um, we're going to rack ours to the secondary fermenter after the show tonight. Or after the hoe. The how. Will you stop pointing out my <laughs> typos in show notes on the air? Well, if other people could point out my pronunciation problems, I figure it's only fair. No one reads these but us. That's true. Multi-brew guinea pig John reported a higher-than-expected original gravity at 1069. So he was thinking that it might end up sort of like a scotch ale? Well, that's what he mentioned. It's too high gravity for the style. I am curious. I'm going to have to go back and run some calculations. He used the same brand dry malt extract we did. And he's writing, right, you know, we got a 60 on the nose. Temperature corrected. I think it'll go down a little bit, like to 59, 58. I'm not sure how I got 10 more points. Unless I really screwed up somewhere. So I have to go back and run this stuff and see what happened. Um, maybe did we use the six and a half gallons? Yeah, I wonder. Work? Maybe we should check the uh, the final ye- the volume. Because we started with... Uh, did we do six and a half or was it six? It was either six or... I think it was six and a half. Maybe I had more volume. Maybe that's where I screwed up. But anyway, I got lucky and uh, John didn't. So... <laughs> For those of you who get John's beer, you're going to get a little bit more alcohol for the buck there. Does anyone think the shows are too long? They've been creeping up over an hour, and my original goal is 45 minutes. So let me know. Send me some feedback if you think the show should be shorter, or if you're fine with the length. I mean, the thing is that the show does fluctuate at times. It does, but it seems like our natural show is getting longer and longer. <laughs> That's and, true. And if people think it needs to be shorter, then we can cut yeah. some stuff out or yeah. make sure we move faster. Like, for instance, maybe the business section shouldn't be so long. Someone also asked us if uh, we could set up a Craft Beer Radio Google group or Yahoo group or message board or something like that. I'm just wanting to get some feedback on that and see what kind of interest there is. If there is, we could set up Google group pretty easy. So We got Frapper out there. I mean, it's not really a message. There is the message boards in the Frapper. Yeah. And we could, you could use those. Send me some feedback on that if you want a Craft Beer Radio message board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Podcast Alley, we want to thank everyone who has voted, but we don't have enough yet. We, yeah, we need more. We're at like 60 right now. We yeah, want to get up on the front page. So uh, please vote. Remember that it, it's a very simple process. You don't even have to leave a comment. Just put in your email address. And uh, they won't spam you. It's just for verification. We really appreciate it if you would vote there. It would help us out. Don't make me take the terrorist skit from last week and rewrite it for Podcast Alley. You wouldn't want that. 
Speaking of terrorist skits and other skits, we don't have a skit for sudsgear.com, so we're going to make one up on the fly. Jeff. Yes. I heard that Craft Beer Radio and Suds Gear are sort of working together, kind of. Yes. I'm surprised that you asked, Greg. Craft Beer Radio and sudsgear.com has an affiliate partnership where we promote sudsgear.com. Anyone who makes a purchase on sudsgear.com with the coupon code CBR gets 10% off their order. And we get 10% as well. What kind of stuff do they have at SudsGear.com? They have t-shirts, glassware, hats, beer goggles, maybe some other things. Web pages? Yes, but you can't buy the web pages. No, I suppose you can't, but they'll, they'll be there. And uh, what's the code again? CBR. What was that? Charlie Bravo Romeo. So I use the code CBR at SudsGear.com. I save 10%. And Craft Beer Radio gets 10%. That's it exactly. Why not 20? Because the guys at SudsGear.com need to make some money, too. I suppose that's that's reasonable. If you are looking for some beer swag, go to SudsGear.com and use the coupon code CBR. Feedback. There are several ways you can send us feedback. You yeah. can post a comment on our website, CraftBeerRadio.com. You can vote for us on Podcast Alley <laughs> and leave a comment. You can call our comment line at 206-202-BEER. You can send an email or audio comment to beer at CraftBeerRadio.com. For news, this first one uh, may sound a little bit like an advertisement, but I think it's news because it's a great time. They just announced the 2006 All About Beer Alaskan Beer Cruise. Is that the same one you went on? This is the cruise I went on in 2004 mm-hmm. and had a blast of a time. They've changed it around a little bit. It's a seven-night Gulf of Alaska cruise through the Inside Passage from Stewart, Alaska to Vancouver, July 22nd to July 29th. Beer-related excursions include the Anchorage Pub Crawl, the Haynes Brewery Tour, Juno Alaskan Beer Company Tour, and the Vancouver Pub Crawl. The nights that you're on the ship, you get to go to seminars and events such as the History of Beer, Food and Beer. They have a new one that didn't have when I was there called So Many IPAs. Oh, that sounds good. And the last tasting is the Big Beer Tasting. At the Big Beer Tasting, we didn't taste anything under 9% alcohol. So after like five or six, you were... Yeah, there were some great beers. We tasted some <laughs> doubles, some doppelbox, some. I think there was an ice box there, and they capped off the night with. Uh, millenniums, right? Not millenniums. Utopia. Well, we don't want to get people's expectations too high, but. Well, but you there were very was the, surprised when they brought it out, right? Yes, it was the world's strongest beer. Let's just say that. If you're interested, you can go to the website of the travel agency, magichappens.com. And you can tell Michael that I sent you. He probably remembers me still. He's a great guy to deal with. You can book your plane tickets and everything through him. Makes it really easy. And uh, he doesn't even know I'm talking about him. So if that sounds like an advertisement, it's really not. I love the beer cruise. Pierre Sellis, one of the world's best-known brewers, may soon return from Belgium to resume brewing in Texas. Now, Sellis, uh, it says here he revived the lost white beer style. Is, this, is that true? I think he, uh, if I remember right, and I didn't do any research, I think he was at Hogarden. Who garden, and they when they brought brought the white back. Really? The, yeah, the wit. Wow. He used to work at I think there was the Sellers Brewery in, right, Texas. in Texas, and it clo- or he sold to Miller, and Miller closed it. And Miller closed it and sold the naming rights to Michigan Brewing Company, who now brews Sellers White, right? So Raspberry and Grand Cru. So Pierre Sellers, if he opens his new brewery, can't call any of his beers Sellers. Wow. So yes, he's, they're going to go under his the name. His name is copyrighted. And he, does, by somebody else. and he doesn't own it. That's got to suck. <laughs> but his new beers are going to be called Brussels Peach, Brussels White, Brussels Grand Cru. So he's going to use the Brussels name, apparently. 
Goose may go the AB way. This is a little bit of speculation I found on the news sites this week. The Chicago Tribune is reporting that Goose Island Beer Company and Anheuser-Busch are in talks. Don't worry just yet. Looks like they're talking about distribution. Looks like Anheuser-Busch is going to help right. Goose Island with distribution like they're doing for Red Hook. Okay. And Red, yeah, Red Hook hasn't gone, gone down in quality. In fact, it was one of our best. Well, the- some people say that Red Hook isn't the same as it used to be. But it always could be the fond memories that yeah. you know, beer geeks have. I think I think some of that might be the whole the sellout phenomena. If their quality stays the same, it's good news for all of us because it is it's a rare find to find Goose Island here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I'm sure if they use Anheuser Busch's distribution chains, you'll see it a lot more places as long as they don't have to compromise their quality. Anheuser Busch typically gives them the distribution and takes a stake in the company. Mm-hmm. So Kind of selling a little bit of your soul there. Yeah, but. so you're helping AB get bigger, but at the same time, you're getting better beer for it. So maybe it's worth it. Missouri State Senator has begun a campaign against selling cold beer. He introduced a bill. This is Senator Bill Alter. introduced a bill that would keep grocery and convenience stores from selling beer colder than 60 degrees in order to cut down on drunken driving, figuring that the only reason people would need a beer that cold is so it can be consumed right away. Now, that has several pratfalls to it. First of all, from my perspective, okay, from a beer quality standpoint, yes, making it, you know, bringing it down to room temperature once is not going to really hurt the beer. But if you keep it cold, you keep it at a steady temperature, you know it's not going to fluctuate that much, you know you're not going to ruin the beer. So that's one reason to keep it cold. Chronic drunk drivers, right? Is cold beer really going to be required for them to, to imbibe and drive? Not only that, but drunk drivers... Are they getting their beer from convenience stores and drinking it right there and going on the way? No, they're getting their beer from bars or at houses where there are parties where the beer is going to be cold. And believe it or not, Oklahoma already has a law against selling strong, in quotes, beer cold. Convenience stores are not permitted to sell beer that's over 4% alcohol by volume cold in Oklahoma. <laughs> Let's move on to email. Okay. First email, Ben from Portland. On your last show, you mentioned the Cave Creek Chili Beer. Mm -mm. I would have to say that it is one worth trying, even for the kitsch factor. He um, loves the show. Can't wait for the barley wine. Interesting. I like like the idea, actually, of trying it as a kitsch factor. I wonder what other kitsch beers we could bring together for a kitsch show. Yeah, let's uh, let's look into it. Jean-Luc wrote in. He was listening to one of our shows recently where we mentioned that table sugar cannot be fermented. Then he was watching The Good Eats, where uh, they talked about homebrewing, mm-hmm. and they also said that table sugar cannot be fermented by yeast. He looked into his Principle of, of Brewing book. It is true that table sugar cannot be fermented by yeast, but yeast has an enzyme called invertase that will split the disaccharide. Splitting action is called inverting right, the sugar, which we had talked about before, and I wasn't sure if that was technically now, inverting or not. Now, he's right. It, it, yeast does have an enzyme that is capable of splitting the disaccharide. It's called invertase. However, I did some research on this, and from what I was able to gather, the reason why the splitting is, is done beforehand is because the invertase on its own is not as effective, not nearly as effective as splitting it beforehand. It, it doesn't do the, the job fully. It creates problems in the fermentation process. So... What I was able to gather from what I was reading is that Invertase alone does not do the job well enough, and that's why you do split the disaccharide via chemical means or using heat. Uh, Carl from Torrance, California, says he ran across a television ad that seemed perfect fodder for our macro muck. He couldn't pass up the opportunity to show it to us both. Did you get the time to look at this ad? I did not, unfortunately. Okay. I saw this one before. It's uh, Carlton's 
draft beer, big ad. And the commercial starts out. Close your eyes and imagine with me, with all okay, the listeners. I'm closing my eyes. You see these guys like just running across this huge open field. Right. Like the first, cl- they're pretty close shot. It's like from chest stop, right? And the, all the guys in the shot are wearing uh, yellow shirts. Uh huh. And they show more people running, and they start pulling out, and it's this huge field. It's like the battle scene from Lord of the Rings, right? Just okay. thousands of people. And you know, as you farther out, you farther out you pull, the more the image starts to take place. Each person is like a pixel. So it's mm-hmm. it's this head and a mouth opening up and this beer glass moving towards the mouth and then the the people in the yellow the beer actually pour in the mouth and you see them running down the esophagus and filling up in the stomach. It's it's a pretty visually spectacular ad. Okay. And uh, sounds pretty cool. I'll put a link up for everyone else who wants to see it. Yeah, that's a pretty easy address if you can remember. Bigad.com.au. There you go. Jesse from Denver writes in, he particularly enjoys the Macromuck segments. He was once a Coors Light zombie until a fat tire, his self-proclaimed greatest beer ever made, came into his life. And he would love to hear an episode on Schwartz beers. Schwartz beer. Well, um... The only one he's ever seen in stores is the 1554 from New Belgium. How many can we get? We can look around and maybe solicit some donations for Schwartz beers. But that'd be a cool show to do for sure. Uh, user Coco wrote on our website, I don't understand how Greg called himself a hophead if you find Celebration too bitter. He did call himself a hophead on the show, right? I actually responded to this on the website. Yes, I consider myself a hophead, but I don't consider myself um, a guy who loves... I don't like it when, when the taste of bitterness is syrupy and sticky and just stays there and doesn't go away. If it's overly bitter, I don't like it. So I like hops in the for the flavor. I really like the flavor that hops impart. I like some of the bitterness that it imparts. I don't like overt and overly bitter stuff. So I guess the debate here is, do hopheads have to have an unconditional love of hops? Right. Or do they just have to enjoy hoppy flavors? I, I, I'm not sure. So I'm maybe, not, maybe I'm not so much a hophead as I am a hop enthusiast and a hophead likes whole thing. I mean, you want to get, like, I guess it's a Trekkie versus Trekker type okay. situation. <laughs> uh, Nick from Florida is a pronunciation gate for me. He says the proper way to say... Yorkshire is Yorkshire, as in little terrier, like a Yorkshire terrier. Uh, I probably should have known this, but we'll add it to pronunciation gate, put it on the list. He says that I do need to try to blue moon wit, and I will. One of the shows we're going to be up doing after, or one of the shows we're going to be doing after we flush our queue here is we're, I think we're going to do a wit show pretty soon. Yeah, because there are plenty of others we need one. I um, had a couple wits recently, and I enjoyed them a lot more than I did when we did the show, so I think my palate's coming around to wit, so I think it's going to be a new experience for me as well. Excellent. John from Austin wrote in, I just heard your latest episode, and there was that comment from the guy who disliked the swallowing, smacking mouth sounds that you guys made on the air. <clears throat> Man, tell this guy to get over it. Those Ooh. exact sounds are... are <laughs> those exact sounds are a pretty big part of what makes me want to go out and taste those beers at the end of every one of your podcasts. Well, so... I forget who it was who said that, but John says to get over it. We we wouldn't want to say something like that. But well, I think it's good feedback that uh, <laughs> some people find it as a beneficial and positive part of the show. Right? Because I mentioned, you know, we'll try to keep it to a minimum. But if it's making their mouths water, maybe it's something we need to do. You know, just right down the middle, not overboard, but not hiding it. From my perspective, I think everything in moderation. Uh, Brian from Portland said last night he had the Poor Richards Ale, which is the Ben Franklin three hundredth birthday gimmick at the Portland Rock Bottom. He said he had two, actually. He liked it, but only after it warmed up. It has molasses and corn in the mix, which he says accounts for a malty, lightly sweet flavor. I would imagine that would be the case. 
uh, rich brown and uh, nutty aroma. And he says he hopes we can find some to try. We do have a rock bottom nearby. I don't know whether they have the Port Richards. I looked on the Port Richards website where they have a list of all the breweries serving it, and there's no one, none in the area. But Too bad. Uh, it might be updated. We should go check again. Brian is also sending us a barley wine care package. Thank you very much, Brian. Andrew writes in, Well, I finally got a chance to try the Ninth Street Market Pomegranate Raspberry. This is the... Um, the Anheuser-Busch right. test batch that they were doing in Arizona. If I believe right, Andrew is in Arizona. There was a couple other markets, though. He said it was not very good. Put it nicely. <laughs> I think horrible was the word he used. The bottle brags of great aroma, pure taste, but the smell goes away instantly. After a couple of sniffs, it smelled like an old fraternity house after a party. This is luckily he has some Sierra Nevada Porter to, to cleanse the palate. Jonathan D.C. writes in, in Maryland, DWI is 0.07%, while DUI is 0.08%. I mentioned that it was 002 I I know... It, when I was down there in Maryland, but then again, you know, I, the last time I was there was when I was just getting my driver's license. Maybe it's probationary period. Maybe it's for people in their learner's permit. I don't know. I remember I remember that .02 number. Very, my my very guess specific. is that is the technical legal limit for underage people. That maybe that's probably what it is. It's probably underage. Because yeah, like in Pennsylvania, it's .01. You know, it's supposed to be zero, but you can't say zero because you have a right. co- some cough medicine and you're, you're up a little bit. So Jesse from Denver writes, in the past few months, I've gotten into pale ales. The other day I grabbed a Great Divide Titan IPA. Good beer. Starts with a good hop flavor, but finishes super malty. It has a malty aftertaste that stay, it stays with you. So is this normal for a big IPA? Is it specific to Titan IPA or did I just get a bad batch? I, I think that, you know, IPAs are one of those... Um one of those styles that can be played around with a lot, and there can be a lot of variation. Yeah, there can almost be a whole subset, subcategories of IPAs, and there's no real classifications. You mean you have ones that are really hop forward, you have ones that have a nice supporting malt backbone, other ones that don't have as much malt. And uh, so you'll find them all across the board. If he didn't like the Titan because he thought it was too malty in the finish, I said he might want to try like Stone IPA, which is pretty much just hop forward. Or I'd recommend Hercules. If you want to go for crazy hops, uh, that has some sweetness to it from the the, the alcohol. Oh, definitely. Too. So I I, it, I would say try something like Stone's IPA. Okay, so what beer am I? No one, not even our good friend Corey. I hope Corey's okay. <laughs> no one got it. It was Wild Dog from Flying Dog Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Hmm. It was one I didn't get when I was working through the questions either. <laughs> This week's was also submitted by Scott. It's a little bit easier. I got this one after a little bit of research online. I couldn't get it off the top of my head. I am an American double stout. Mm-hmm. I am 12% alcohol by volume. Wow, you're high. I was made only once. Well. <laughs> Part of my name is a number. Mm-hmm. I have five other brothers that are also stouts made by this brewery. So this, this brewery is stout heavy. Yeah, that's a big clue if you know of the brewery. If you have any guesses to wager, you can send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Okay, now let's move on to the style description. Yeah, we didn't get this through last time because of the... Because uh, the computer, computer was being naughty. Tonight we're doing the Russian Imperial Stout. Inspired by brewers back in the 1800s to win over the Russian Tsar, this is the king of stouts, boasting high alcohol by volumes and plenty of malt character. Low to moderate levels of carbonation with a huge roasted chocolate and burnt malt flavors. 
Suggestions of dark fruit and flavor of higher alcohols are quite evident. Hop character can vary from none to balanced to even aggressive. Now, I I think that history-wise, a a lot like the IPA, these are brewed to be higher in alcohol to get to get. I heard a couple different theories for the higher alcohol. Well, you're serving them to royal Russians. Yeah, and you like vodka. Russians like the alcohol, you know, stereotypically. I heard an interesting theory just a couple months ago that was pretty cool, where in order to ship it across the Baltic Sea in the colder months, they had to raise the alcohol so the beer wouldn't freeze. I can understand that. That's interesting. And it also, I mean, the more alcohol, the better it get, better it's preserved. Yep. So. There's another style of beer that you'll see on uh, Beer Advocate in particular. They call the American Double Stout. And it's very similar. And let me just read that style and we'll see how it contrasts to the Russian Imperial okay. Stout. The American Double Stout gets some of its inspiration from the Russian Imperial Stout. Many of these are barrel-aged, mostly in bourbon or whiskey barrels. The alcohol ranges vary, but tend to be quite big. Look for cleaner alcohol flavors. Many are highly hopped or flavored with coffee or chocolate. Very full-bodied with rich roasted flavors, far surpassing normal styles. So you're expecting to get sort of a hoppier flavor, um, uh, maybe not, qu- maybe a larger even alcohol percentage, but sometimes a little bit lower. Yeah, it seems like these ones are going to be more alcohol-forward. seems like... More aggressive flavoring, right? Yeah, anything that... Adjuncts um, added. Well, like the one we had in the pre-show, which had oatmeal, and you right. know, that'd be a double stout because that's not traditional for a Russian right. imperial. Anything stored in oak, which not everything is in the category, but everything that is stored in oak is in the American double mm-hmm. stout category. So the glassware for these styles of beer... Like last time, and I guess we didn't say last time because it got cut, is we're using snifters, brandy snifters. You can also use pint glasses if you want, but you want some, you'd like to have something with a big bowl that would catch aroma. Because you want this beer to warm in your hand, mm. and you really want to savor the aroma on these beers. And obviously, they're, they're sipping beers, talking about the alcohol ranges we're talking about. The alcohol ranges we're talking about are 8 to 12%, and you sometimes you'll see them even higher. The beer can be cellared for long periods under the proper conditions. Like we'd expect from a high alcohol beer. Yep. Cellaring conditions, 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Serving temperatures, 50 to 55 Fahrenheit. Food for this is um, anything rich, anything full. It'll go good with a uh, big uh, gamey stew or something, um, beef, all that stuff. You would think this would go really good with a lot of desserts yeah. or an after dinner. See, I I tend to think that you know this goes well. They're very sweet. They can be, and I think sweet on top of sweet to me gets too much. Okay. So I would tend to, for my, my personal taste, I would shy away from say having this with a chocolate cake or a cheesecake or something like that, and going for more like a meat, some of that roasty, okay, caramelized flavors and stuff like that, but with a little bit of. Um, a little bit of umami there, a little of that savory. The cheeses they recommend with this beer, the, the buttery kind of cheeses, uh, Brie, Gouda, Havarti, Swiss even. I can see that. So you want to just get right into it? Sure, let's go. First beer we're doing tonight is the Brooklyn Brewing Company's Black Chocolate Stout. This is actually an older vintage. This is uh, 0304. So it has some time to mellow. Should be quite nice. We don't have much on Brooklyn right now. We don't have a sheet for them, unfortunately, but... Uh, I forgot I had this beer. <laughs> Brooklyn is made in Brooklyn, New York. It is run by the Brooklyn Brewing Company, well-known for Brooklyn Brown, one of my favorite brown ales. Brooklyn and Pilsner is very good. Yep, world-famous brewmaster, Garrett Oliver. Mm-hmm. 
The um, one beer that really surprised me from Brooklyn, before we get into tasting this beer, uh, you were with D's with me the time that I had the Brooklyn IPA. Yeah. They call it their East India Pale Ale. And you think when you're talking with Garrett, you know, Brewer Garrett, who's always stuck on the traditional side of beers, you're expecting a more English style. The hops really surprised me on that beer. So don't let it scare you. Check out that Brooklyn East India. And but, I also, I, I had their lager just recently now. It was actually very good. It was actually hoppy, as I remember it. So we got last year's black chocolate stout here in our snifters. Wow, very uh, dark, chocolatey aroma. Yeah, there's no chocolate in this beer. The term black chocolate stout is a synonym for imperial stout, Russian imperial stout. But it does have that kind of aroma of this really dark maltiness that very much resembles it, chocolate. The first aroma did smell chocolatey, and now I'm getting a little bit of alcohol through it. But also a lot of the really rich, dark fruit flavors. I mean, there's a little bit of prune in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, uh, like I said, it does have a fair amount of chocolate in the aroma, too, though. Definitely. It's uh, very dark, like all these are going to be, and it has a very minuscule but uh, dark tan head. You can see why they say chocolate, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it tastes very, you very, get a very dark chocolate taste to it. An interesting aroma I'm getting out of this beer. It's uh, slightly smoky, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, I mean, you can taste that also. You can taste the sort of smokiness there. Mm. Um, you know, this dark chocolate really it's really present there and um really hits you in the front of of your your tongue and the roof of your mouth in the front. Very little bitterness in the back. It's there, but it's not much of it. This beer I think has really aged nicely over the Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I haven't had an O five yet, but I do not remember this beer tasting as good as um as much as I'm enjoying it right now. It didn't seem this good last time I had it. There's some very um, interesting flavors, like you say, dark fruit flavors coming back, prune, a little bit, maybe even vanilla. Yeah, there is a little bit of lingering bitterness to this. Just a bit. Yeah, it's not overpowering, but it is there. Mouthfeel on it. It's um, it's not syrupy or anything like that. Yeah, I would say for this style, it's... um. Medium to medium full for the yes, style. I would agree. It's not a really chewy stout, but it has a f- couple chunks in it, I would say. Um, <laughs> it's a chunky style. Like three quarters of the way through the taste, it, it does seem a little bit lighter and like a little watery there. Like three quarters of the way back your tongue. It, uh, I think that's where you're picking up a lot of the alcohol and maybe some of the bitterness. I don't know. It's... There's like a spot on my tongue, like three quarters way back, where it tastes different than the other three quarters of my tongue. It's weird because the bitterness and maltiness are kind of there's a, there's a also residual maltiness. It's just kind of sitting there, right on top of the bitterness. They're just they're sort of playing with each other, right there. It's interesting. Party in my mouth that everyone's invited to. <laughs> this beer has a little bit of what the Samuel Smiths had, a little bit more of that sharp roast flavor, I guess you would say, a little bit. Not quite tinny, but on the road to being tinny. A little bit, I guess, a little bit of the astringent, a little bit of... I can see where you're going. I uh, mean, all those words I used are flaws and bad. Yeah. None, none of those words none are, of the, are usually negative, and, and this is... None, gen- of the, none of the flavors are all the way to those words, but I'm having problems figuring out how to describe it. It's something getting more like the, the Samuel Smith, the more traditional Russian imperial stouts. Yeah, I think Jeff means it in, in a non-negative way, right? But... At the same time, it, it's flavors if they were turned up a notch, they, they might turn negative. As the aroma has evolved a little bit, you're getting a lot more 
warming out of it now. I'm a lot more alcohol aroma. So I'm still getting a lot of um, maltiness though. I mean, it's definitely sticking with there with the beer. Sure. The maltiness that I am getting is a lot of most almost all of the dark fruit type aromas that we've been talking about. So it's dark fruit, smoky, a little bit of alcohol warming, a little bit of bitterness, malty stickiness. Not stickiness, malty. The maltiness is sticking to it. Right. We also have a 2005 here that maybe we'll try after the show. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll try it later. (laughs) Probably not, but I definitely want to see how that tastes compared to a year-older version. I don't know. It it seems actually pretty smooth to me as as I'm continuing to drink Well, smooth. I think this one is smoother than the younger versions. Younger ones are a little more... if If my memory is... Right, they're a little more bitter, and uh, so this one has calmed down a bit. Yeah, it's mellowed a little bit, and the flavors have blended together. I would say, and mm. it it does have a really smooth mouthfeel to it. It's a smooth drinker, if you will. Well, thank you, sir. May I have another. You can't have another. Next, let's go with the Storm King style. Storm King. I think this is the newer one. The O five. Let's do that one. It's on the right hand side. Yes. Oh, left hand side of the label. Bottled on October 13th, 2005. This is from Victory Brewing Company in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, we've had several of their beers before. This is uh, VictoryBeer.com. Brewery started in 1996, has an annual production of 8,000 barrels, and is available eh, as a pretty good swarth. Yeah, this is a pretty popular Russian or yeah, Russian Imperial style. Uh, two or three years ago, it was ranked number two on Beer Advocate. Mm. A lot of popularity. A lot of people really like this beer. It's a good beer. It's not my favorite Russian Imperial style, but I shouldn't talk about anything about how I like it until I try it, should I? That's true. It's not fair. Uh, Alcohol is 9.1%. It's a seasonal available October through March. Holy hoppy. Wow, you're not kidding. Oh my god, this thing smells like an IPA after that last beer. (laughs) I mean, you're getting that cascade smell. Um, Maybe fuggle. First one was Cascade. Now the hop flavor, I'm, I'm losing it on my nose. I'm not able to get it. I'm getting some of it. It was really fresh when it I was, first yeah, smelled it. Was, it. You, you smelled hops right away, but now it's more malty. There, there's still a hop there, but then that was very surprising. I've swirled up, though, and there's the hops again. Uh, the head is a little bit stronger on this one than, than the Brooklyn, but it, it's not really thick at all. It's, it, it's funny. You know, we had a good traditional style last beer. And smelling this one, it's really hard to smell any roast. It, yeah. it's, it's a lot of hops and some alcohols. It's two aromas I'm getting out of it right now. It tastes very hoppy, too. Mm. Wow. I don't remember it being this hoppy. It's a very it's a different flavor. Because of the Brooklyn we had before, it's hard to pick up anything but the hops. A lot of hops, a, a good amount of hop bitterness. I don't know about hop bitterness. I'm getting a lot of hop flavor. I'm getting bitterness right there in my tongue. It's not okay. not a bad bitterness, but it's it's there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, basically, the only thing I'm tasting right now is hops. It remind it, you know what it reminds me of. I, I've said this before when I had hop wallop, and all I tasted was hops. It's a chewy hop wallop. <laughs> and then I had something like, I, and then right afterwards, I had Dogfish Head 60 Minute, which is usually a very hoppy beer, and mm-hmm. all I tasted was malt. Yeah, if I was blindfolded. And handed this beer, I would say it's a double IPA. My, the mouthfeel might throw me a little bit, but I, I wish I, I wish I could go back and and be blindfolded and someone hand me this beer. 
because yeah. I, I'd like to think that, I mean, the way I'm perceiving it right now, it is so hoppy and the flavor and everything. And I'm not really, I got to find the roast. Maybe after it air out, airs out some, I'll get some more roast out of it. But. Some of the malts and a little bit of alcohol sweetness is starting to come through a little bit for me. It's certainly a lot chewier than an IPA. It's got sort of that um, carbonation is a little bit more intense. Carbonation more intense. See, this would typically be less carbonated than a like an imperial IPA. Give it, a, give it another taste and t- and see what see if you can pick what I'm picking up. The hop flavor does make the carb does make you perceive the carbonation differently, mm-hmm. or maybe they're this the opposite, or they're working hand in hand. Carbonation does seem very prickly, but I think it's the hop flavor that's sitting on your tongue and enhancing the carbonation. That, that very well, maybe the case. Typically, you're talking about the carbonation enhancing other things, right? But I think the hops are making this one seem more carbonated. I mean, I'm just getting this sort of bitterness that's laying on my tongue. It's not bad yet, but I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to start to be bad soon. I am trying to think. The last time I had a Storm King, so I'm shocked at this how hoppy very, this is. Very hoppy. We ha- we will have to try the uh, the old one, I guess, in the post show. We're going to be doing a last year's Storm King in the post show. Wow. <laughs> All I can taste are those hops. It's going to be interesting then going next, going to another. Uh, yeah, it's going to taste like a malt bomb. Yeah. <laughs> In a sense, maybe we can think of this as almost a palate cleanser. I don't know if you can call it that. But it really doesn't feel like it fits the style, or at least it doesn't... I don't think it will fit with the other two. The, um, the Some awards that this has run, it was the Champion Stout at the Rio Ale Festival in Chicago 2002. And they mentioned right on here they were the top-rated American beer on Beer Advocate in, in 2003. That was before Stone took over all the rankings. Hey, now. Well, no, they did. Okay. <laughs> that's just factual. Well, let's see. Right Stone's now. Stone's at the top of pretty much everything there. Yeah, Russian River had some that were ranked really high recently. But I haven't looked at the rankings in a while. So I'd like to tell you there's some malt in this beer, but my tongue's not letting me taste it. Yeah, you know, we usually talk about how um, when we taste beers of the same type together, they kind of add on to one another and you sort of you, you start to detect distinct tastes more. Than you would otherwise. This one is sort of like a, a slap in the face. Well, because I think I think because we're drinking light beers together, it's accentuating the differences in this beer. I bet you if we had this one fresh or by itself or out at the bar, it would taste more imperial stoutish and less hoppy. I think I, I bet I bet that's true. But I also think that whereas when you're tasting a bunch of let's say a bunch of wits together. You can pull out the individual sort of cloviness of one or lemoniness of another or orange of another. And if you threw an IPA in the mix, be like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on? What's going on? Sure. And the, the same the same thing is happening here that, you know, you, you're picking out different different types of fruit. Like we had pomegranate in one of the ones from last week, right? And you're just picking out different types of flavors that we're getting. And this one is like, whoa, slap, slap. You're going to taste something different now. Yeah. It's kind of like interrupting a train of thought and throwing a brick at it. <laughs> I'm of the opinion if we tried this again, not in this flight, it would taste more like an imperial stout that we're, that we're used to. But I am, I'm like I said, I'm shocked that it's so hoppy. That's all I'm tasting right now is the hoppiness. Give it a little bit of a bigger sip, and some of the malt's starting to now, come through a bit. Now the um, hop flavor that's in this, I like it. And what about you? I'm curious. I don't feel it's right for the style. Well, okay, but I mean, do you think the hop is too powerful? Is it sticking on your tongue like it's some not, of the things we were talking it's about no, earlier? It's, it's not too powerful, but I can, 
I might have a hard time drinking more than a couple of these. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I don't think it's appropriate for... Well, American Double Stout could be appropriate. But for the Russian Imperials where we're glob- globbing these all in, right. certainly not. Yeah, Right now, my opinion is that uh, I am in the mood to drink a good Russian Imperial. I want some roast. I want some warming. I right. want some... I'd be disappointed with this one. If, you know, I could have one Imperial Stout tonight, you know, to cuzzle cozy up with and absolutely and drink this would not this would not be what i would be wanting if i went to the store specifically to get an imperial stout and i bought this i would have been i don't know if upset's the right word but i would have not been as pleased as if i would have gotten something more along the lines of say the brooklyn right i wanted to make that point but i also wanted to say the beer as itself it's an interesting beer it's a very interesting take on the, on the idea, yeah. I would almost call it experimental. I never noticed hops in this beer before like this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I was drinking this for the first time, I'm like, wow, they just went balls to the wall and said, you know, let's throw 30 pounds of hops in on this, you know, beer. Yep, that was hops from, mm-hmm. from A to Z right there. So I'm going to do a little water in here just to kind of hopefully get rid of some of that. Because that was very, very hoppy. Okay, on to our next beer, which is uh, a repeat. I think this is the first repeat, right? Yep, this is our first retaste, I this, believe. This is Stone's Russian Imperial Stout. We tasted these on the uh, summer release stout show. And we had back. some complaints with it because it was so flavorful, so right. full, that that night when we ranked them, it, we just couldn't honestly put it very high because it just was killing our palates in the summertime. So I really wanted to try it again in the winter to see if we if our opinion was the same or if it ranked much higher. In a sense, it's too bad it's not freezing outside because that's sort of, you know, the, the way we really wanted to try this. This is a 10.8% summer seasonal from the Stone Brewing Company in San Marcos, California. Their website is stonebrew.com. Annual production is 17,000 barrels. And they started in 1996. And it's pouring like a black tar. I mean, it just looks really thick. And uh, it's got a um, relative, um, a heavier head than the other ones. It's, it's it's a little bit thicker. It's got not quite a finger's worth, but the other ones were almost nothing there. And okay. the smell is, is a candy roastiness. Yeah, you get a bunch of sweetness, roastiness, and alcohol in the aroma. A really delicious smell. It's something that I think we were admiring during the summer. I think it was. One. I think in the summer we, we, we loved the aroma yeah. and we tasted it. It was just like, you know, this is too heavy for summertime. You can sort of smell the the syrupiness that that's there too um, that that we tasted in the summer, and I hope it is sort of is mitigated a bit by the cold weather outside and the fact that we're wearing long sleeves. It's a sweet beer overall. It's very sweet. Um, it has a lingering sweetness. There's some roasty. There's some alcohol there. <laughs> Greg's looking at me. Well, Jeff, you gave me a look first, which is kind of like. No, I was looking at you to prompting you to give me a response or. I'm not gonna lie. The first thing I, I said, I thought was, "Oh, there's some syrup." Yeah, uh, it's it's a little sweet, syrupy. Nope. Second sip, and I'm I've just about had enough. I think. I mean, drinkability of this one. Second sips hanging around in your mouth, and you're not instantly urged to take a third sip right now. Yeah. It's okay. Let's hang out. Let's enjoy the flavors. Let's let them dilute a little bit. Let's discuss we... some of the flavors on here. There, there's a lot of um, a lot of sugary that this kind of syrupy sweetness that's there. It's, it's getting a little bit of bitterness in the back. It's very much lingering. 
the, the, the sweetness is very much lingering in the back of your tongue. There's some sort of fruit influence there. I would say it's almost more sweeter. It's almost kind of like a candied apple. Uh, not quite with the apple flavor, but sort of the kind of caramel yeah, the, apple. The caramel apple type yeah. flavor. Yeah, I agree. It's um, First opinion is it's, there's just too much sweetness there. It's um, something you take just a couple fingers of in your snifter and enjoy it. You split this bottle with like eight people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I almost have to agree with you. I mean, it, it really um, kind of does smell delicious, but it, it just it, the, the taste is still, even in the winter, a little bit overpowering. Yeah, the the aroma is spot on. It's perfect. It smells like it's going to be delicious tasting beer. And we drink it just a little too much sweetness. And I, I was I was so hoping that we would change our opinions on this beer mm-hmm. in the winter time. I just because I wanted the experiment on how perceptions change, but this one has hung through and. And stayed the same. Now, this ranks in Beer Advocate number two. I'm not sure what it's currently ranked. Number four? It, it's way up there. It is number two on the website right number now. Number two. 94, right? It is ranked higher than the Dark Lord Russian Imperial Stout, which is a perennial number two. And just think the only beer that's better than this is West Flutter in 12. <laughs> yes, it's better than this. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it is better than this. Um... Now, I'm going to let it sit a bit, and I'm going to let it soak up some air and hopes that maybe that will kind of mellow it. I don't think it's really going to make sweetness go away, though, and that's the main thing that's killing me. I mean, I wouldn't quite call it cloyingly, but it's one step away. Yeah. And when you take a sip, it just fills your mouth with the sweetness, and after you swallow it, you're filled with this sweetness, and it's sticky, and i got to wait several minutes before you're ready for another sip. The drinkability of this beer is really low. You know, I'm not inclined to go and take another sip of this beer right now. It's hard to say. It doesn't... It it feels thicker than it is. This is the uh, Stone Russian Imperial Stout, <laughs> which we always forget to keep recapping the beers. I wonder how many people are out there listening, yelling at their radios right now, saying, you guys are morons. Yeah, you guys you don't like know this, this great. This is awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, I'm not going to begrudge anybody their opinion, but... At the same time, Jeff and I both are kind of... It has some of the features that I really like in these stouts. It's just that sweetness is killing it. It's making it not drinkable for me. And I do have a tendency to bash stone a lot. But the thing that I that I tend to bash stone a lot for is overdoing it. And this, I think, is a, is a prime example. I just think it needs, for, it needs a little bit it. lower final gravity. It needs a little bit less. That That's the thing. I mean, this would be great. I mean, the, the, the flavors on here are good. The aroma is out of this world. The flavors are great, but they need to be toned down. If they were toned down, and that's what I think I mentioned when, when we were having the Westville H12, it was like what you wanted out of stone it was less so. It wasn't quite as aggressive. It gave you all those great flavors. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't really knock you in the face with anything. Yeah. It was just a subtle, good beer. And you know, great part of Stone's thing is kicking your butt. It's just the sweetness. I just don't appreciate it out of this beer. Give me a little bit of time to to calm down a bit. And then I, I had a little sip, and I was like, hmm, maybe it's getting a little bit better. But then, this, then the syrupiness hits you again. Can you think of any kind of food that would make this, that would complement this and make this, change our opinion on this? Something that would coat your tongue to get rid of the sweetness. Right, yeah. I'm thinking this would be, this would really change with the right kind of food. 
And I, you know what it might might work with is say um, a thick kind of stew. Maybe something like uh, veal scallopini, where it has that kind of that sauce that is very thick and viscous, and would kind of roll over your tongue and stuff like that. Would, would uh, get some of that flavor okay. off, the, yeah, and have a little finest flavor with the I, wine. I keep having like certain che- like cheeses, like some soft cheeses, brie, things like that in my head. I'm not sure if that really coated enough though. But I think this with brie, some baked brie or something like that. I think that would be a good combination, but I don't know if it would tone down this beer enough. Wonder if you want to go even so, even even further along the line and say because it's such it's so strong, maybe go into blue or gorgonzola to kind of get some interesting sharpness in there. Uh, that could work. I I'm really like picturing something like buttery or maybe like an archetypal Swiss like Emmentaler. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge Swiss fan, so I really can't recommend any kind of Swiss cheeses. Maybe I haven't had any real Swiss cheese. Yeah, I think that might be... I've only had deli Swiss cheese. Oh, okay. So you got to try Emmentaler or Gruyere, because those are really the sort of archetypal Swiss. Those are like the real Swisses. And you get a lot of interesting flavors and sourness from them. I would recommend giving that a shot. I know that your giant eagle has a huge cheese section. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Um, You know, a great great fondue mix is usually like Emmentaler and Gruyere. It's really well, good. Yeah, I guess a fondue. See, I've never had fondue that's not made with, like, you know, just blah cheese. Uh-huh. You know, at Grandma's house or something like that. But if you had a fondue made with some good, classy cheese, you know, that might be good encoding for this thing. Yeah. This might go well with a fondue. We gotta try that. Yeah, I mean, like, like probably the <laughs> I'm fondue, hungry for a fondue. The only fondues I've ever had have probably been, like, Velveeta, so... Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know what was in there, oh, but... Oh, no, man. But, you know, yeah. I know it wasn't good... Fancy cheese. Got to rub the garlic in there, put in the Emmentaler and the Gruyere, and a little bit of wine. Okay. Now, I'm sure all the fondues I've ever had are deli cheeses melted or, you know, meltable cheese. Well, I'm going to make you a fondue one of these nights. Awesome. A real good one. Some canned cheese sprayed in the fondue pot. Yeah, a little bit of of, uh, easy cheese. (laughs) Any type of cheese with a Z. Wow. There's a lot of beer left. Yeah, I mean, because you, you take a sip, you're like, okay, okay, then bam. Let, let me get another glass we can pour it in there. Yeah. It it really is. It's a shame because I, I really do want to like stone beers. I don't want to dislike them. I know so many people like them. And I, I don't want to also say it is dislike so much as just sort of, well, it's it's, it, it's not it's not love. Yeah, the uh, we're we're saving this beer for later. <laughs> I don't want to waste my sobriety on finishing the rest of this beer. You got a half pint glass there, and a third of a bottle left. Maybe we'll go get Bob. He likes this beer, but I'll just give him the bottle. <laughs> Our last beer is Bell's Expedition Stout from the Bell's Brewery from Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is also the home of Derek Jeter, I might add. It is uh, website is bellsbeer.com. Brewery started in 1985. Annual production of 22,000 barrels. We have this is the first time in a while we've had this available in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, Montana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Maine, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Iowa. This is from winter 2003. Ooh. Wow, that, that's a big roastiness, isn't it? Yep, it's uh, it's not that dissimilar from the stones. A little more roastiness to it. And of course our beers pour completely differently. Yeah, no doubt. Greg has just a, rim, a ring of head around the edge of the glass. I have 
about two a finger and a half. Right. Yeah. This is 11.5% alcohol. This is, again, Bell's Expedition Stout. It's available in November to March, and Jeff puts here April to June if you're lucky. Um, it was in, It's in limited release in April to June. I'm just getting this really intense roastiness that I didn't get from any of the other ones. Yeah, flavor-wise, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of roast. Um, slight bit astringent, actually. I wonder if my cellar didn't do this beer as good as it could have. There's a slight astringency, but man, the, the roastiness is really, really tasty. Uh, this is... I'm really enjoying that, that flavor. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the roastiness of the uh, Sierra Nevada Porter. The original gravity on this beer is 1.11. That's high. It's a monster beer. <laughs> wow, I just got a great aroma there. Um, breathing it over my tongue after I drank it, it was um, coffee. There's coffee. Yeah, it was. It was fresh. It was fresh coffee beans. Yeah, that was exactly what the flavor was. Like when you're walking through the coffee. I, I don't drink coffee, so I'm not encountering. But when you're walking through the coffee aisle at the grocery store. I love the smell yeah. of coffee. The coffee much more than yeah. like the, the taste of it. Yeah. yeah Which is not in the aroma in the beer at no. all. But you get a little bit of that, of that coffee taste as you sort of breathe it over. Yeah. When you smell the glass, it is not there at all. You cannot smell the coffee. But after you swallow and breathe in over your tongue, it, it, it tastes just like coffee beans. Mm. This is another chewy beer in that it's kind of... Um, a little bit viscous in there, but it's it's not nearly as sticky as say the stones was. I'm getting most of the roasty flavor after I swallow it. Yeah, it's um, way back in your mouth, and it's a little bit of roasty brought forth by the aroma almost. It is laying there on 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 the back of your tongue in the middle. This is what I look for in imperial. This style. is really delicious. Yeah, this was my favorite until I had the Yeti. In the Czar mm-hmm. and Old Rasputin, and the, those are my top four favorite. I'd, I'd have styles. to taste this in the Yeti side by side to make sure I didn't like this more than the Yeti. I think I do like it more than the Yeti because this it, this is they're both really, very good. Very they're both close. really good. This is I really I'm a big fan of the. See the thing is, I, I don't like the flavor of coffee when it's like the, the crappy work coffee you get, but like a coffee ice cream or a coffee beer, I really love. Okay, and this has some of that coffee flavor that I really enjoy, even though it's not a coffee beer. You know that coffee. The, the, I like the coffee flavor that tastes like the coffee aroma smells. Now that we've had the beer and sitting on our tongue a little bit, the flavor's evolving a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a roasty flavor earlier in the taste. It's um, it's a nice solid roast. It's it's just good. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little expensive. You buy a case of it, it's over fifty bucks. So. I mean, he, this is you get what you pay for. Yeah, Bob was talking last week. Remember how he said he likes the, the Thirsty Dog Siberian Night value wise. Uh-huh. He likes this beer better, but for twenty five bucks more a case, the Thirsty Dog was pretty good. Now, after drinking this right now, aging this thing since you know the winter of two thousand and three, I might argue because this is yeah, <laughs> this is exa- this is really really good. When I first started drinking the, the the Bell's Expedition Stout, I mentioned there was a little bit of astringency, uh-huh. and I thought that um, maybe my cellaring didn't do this beer proper. 
I can't taste that at all. No, it's 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 tasting really clean, really nice. Wouldn't you say? Now, this is interesting because we've had two beers that have been cellared for two years, and it's kind of interesting that we, we're doing a show, and I I don't know how many people are going to have. Not necessarily the resources to do. I mean, certainly anyone can sell our beer, but we'll have that on the stock. The willpower? <laughs> well, yeah, the willpower, too. Yeah, I, I would have... Well, see, there's a fresh Brooklyn right there. Right. Which I forgot to refrigerate. <laughs> so we didn't do that in the show, so we did the old one. And I haven't seen Bell's Expedition bottles around. I mean, I've I didn't, seen other Bell's, before, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen the Expedition. I haven't seen the Expedition bottles to get a new one. So we're using the old one. I did not want to do Russian Imperial Styles without the Expedition Stout. Because I just think it's wonderful. I do like the contrast between the the aroma and the flavor. It's very different, isn't it? it yeah, you get a, you don't get any coffee in the aroma, but in the flavor in the after aroma, you get coffee. Yeah. How do they do that, Larry Bell, man? <laughs> There's little elves in your tongue that you know. Okay, throw the coffee beans <laughs> now. <laughs> this is good. All right, so Jeff, it's it's ranking time already. Okay, ranking time. Let me grab the bottles. We can have our visual, visual clues that no one can see but us, but it helps us slightly yes. intoxicated craft beer radio hosts figure out what we're doing. Oh, are including stouts in there, too? Yeah, let's do the pre-show beer okay. as well. Okay, well, let me, let me do it from last to first. Which one's last? <laughs> Which one is last? You know, because we couldn't finish it, the, the last has to be the Stone Imperial yeah, yeah. Stout, uh, for me at least. I, I agree with that because the Storm King, which is going to be your second to last, right? Right, is uh, so hoppy, but mm-hmm. it, I thought it was good. It just it was I, diff- it, it wasn't quite in the style. It didn't, if I had my heart work. set on an imperial stout, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, but if I'm drinking, if I have my heart set on finding an interesting beer, it was very it was yeah, good. disappointed. Was the word I was looking for so long ago, and I couldn't pick it out. And it's such a simple word. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of long, but still, such a simple <laughs> word. I couldn't pick it out. My next would have to be the stouts. Uh, okay. Which was good, but you know, it was interesting. It wasn't anything incredibly special. Uh, then I, w- I would like to say, if you ever find this beer on tap, don't pass it up, though. Okay, it's okay. a lot different on tap. Good to know. Then would be the black chocolate stout, which is really good, really good beer. Um, and then finally, bells, which started Holy the night. Smokes. I, t- <laughs> hey, this is like the first time in a long time that Greg and I agree on the order. Mm-hmm. Which is number one, Bell's Expedition Stout. Number two, Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout. Number three, Stout's Fat Dog Stout. The Imperial Oatmeal Stout, 10%. If you can find that thing (laughs) in your listening area, give it a try. Storm King Stout from Victory was number four. Stone Russian Imperial Stout was number five. Sorry, Stone. We tried. We did. And uh, just... Too sweet? Too sweet. Too much. Okay, well, we're running long again, so that's (laughs) it for the normal part of Craft Beer Radio. If you want to check out the pre- and post-shows, go ahead. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. If you're still listening and you're using iTunes, I just learned something from the Good Beer Show the other day. Apparently, the default setting in iTunes is to download only the most recent show. When I post the pre and post shows in the extras feed, I put up two shows at a time. Right. So by default, you're only going to get the post show or the pre show, whichever one's first, most recent. But you do have a list of what's there, and you can press a get button. But it doesn't automatically get it. That's There's true. options you can change in iTunes. So it says get all 
ungotten shows or whatever, however it's worded. So if you are using iTunes on our extras feed and you would like to get the other show and you haven't been getting it, it seems like about 40 more people get one show than the other. So there's about 40 of you. Go look for that option, and then it'll automatically download both the pre and post shows. And that brings us up something business wide. And this this will be interesting because I'd like to see if somebody would email a response to this. See if people listen to the whole show. I was wondering about the feed itself. We list every single show on the feed from oh, the very first point. show. And I was thinking maybe we could cut that down a bit. Maybe we can only list ten shows, only fifteen shows. Do you guys think that might be the right idea? The idea is a not to confuse people, and b because we think first of all our Later shows are better than our older shows. I've been thinking about this, Greg, and we can talk about this more later, but um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to cut out. And I want to make it easy for people to find our shows. Mm -hmm. So before I cut things out of the feed, I need to have a really good archive page on the website. Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to cut stuff out of the feed. I just didn't think we had enough real shows yet. It, it's borderline, but I wanted to wait a little 27 bit. 27 shows. We're at the end of 27. I know, but you know, someone finds a new show, don't you want to encourage them to listen to everything instead of just the last five or ten shows? I'd say our first five or six shows probably weren't quite as good. But if someone really likes it, shouldn't it make it easier for them to find it? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Well, actually, we like your opinion on it, so please. All right. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Next week, Barley Wine. <laughs> One of... We're doing a double two bar, a double barley wine show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of we're doing two barley wine shows. Got some great beers lined up, and it's going to be a great way to cap off January and get into February. What's next, lambics? After that, after that, we got some extreme beers. We got some rye beers. We got oh, rye beers. We're going to be doing the wits again. You know what I might want to do actually is, is go to like a lager, go to something mild. You know something okay. different. Maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, spot beer or something like that. Give us some more suggestions on what you want to listen to as well. I um, I'll post that on the website, but yeah, you'll look at the upcoming beers page. I need some more suggestions after we get through these next couple of shows. All right, talk okay. to you later. See ya. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah, 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 yeah.